especially for a first time competitor who's always going to feel like they don't have enough size unless they were unless it's Carlos Thomas Jr who we had a couple of weeks ago getting on stage right you're always going to feel like you're small be peeled get in stage true stage condition find the guys that look up on you know NPC on news online is is everywhere now you can find pictures find the pictures of the guys that won their classes and match that conditioning whether you have a coach or whether you have you're doing it yourself find a way to match that conditioning no one is ever going to say oh that guy should have done more if you show up in shape hey what's going on guys this episode of blood sweat and gear we got a question that i get asked all the time and I'm excited to answer this one. So today, Skip, Andrew and myself are gonna discuss when do I know that I'm ready to compete? After that, we got a great follow-up question. How often should I do a show? Like, should I compete every year? Should I take more time off? Then we got a bunch more questions. Like, if the lockdowns happened all over again, how would we handle that for our clients and for ourselves? Then, is Androgel make for a good pre-workout? Liquid glycerol to increase your pumps? Tips for guys that struggle to eat? Plus, a bunch more. I've got timestamps below if you want to skip around. And hey, if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week featuring IPB pros, educators, and our industry experienced coaches like skip andrew and myself we're all here to help you do better at the sport that we love stay safer in the process and have a good time all right guys let's get to the show what's up guys welcome back to blood sweat and gear with coaches skip hill andrew berry and myself scott mcnally all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com use our code think for additional savings guys i'm just going to jump straight into this topic we've got a bunch of q a we're going to try to get through we liked this one a lot this was from the facebook group uh, Brandon had posted it. He says, um, what's everyone's thoughts on when to do your first show? Is it best to wait until you feel like you're big enough to take an overall in your, uh, in your class, take the overall in your class, um, or is getting the experience of prepping and getting as lean as possible valuable enough to justify doing it even if you feel too small? Great question. We got a lot of feedback in the group, and I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Skip, if somebody reaches out to you and they say, hey, listen, this is where I'm at, or when your clients ask you that, I know I get that asked to me all the time, what do you say? You want to compete. You're never going to – look, I, I don't know of anybody who's ever come to me, well, other than high-level amateurs, I guess, but you know, people have competed for a long time. But first show, you're not going to think you're big enough, and if you – happen to by the time you start dieting and you're halfway in because of all of our issues that we have as competitors we're going to all of a sudden feel small and start questioning that anyway so i think ultimately it comes i just asked the client look do do you want to complete to compete do you want to see where you stand in a first show i think sometimes people most times people have expectations that are way too high it's not bad to have high expectations don't get me wrong but you don't know who's going to show up all you can do is control what you have what you built and get lean as hell and see where you stand so i i don't make promises i tell people if you're coming in to see where you're gonna where the chips may fall let, you know let's do it if you want to do it let's do it what do you got to yeah. say andrew yeah, I, 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 in my mind, I can, and, and when I actually ask people this, if it's a first timer and they don't have a lot of tissue yet, I will say, 
are you doing this because you love bodybuilding? You love training? You want to challenge yourself with the rigors of this prep? Because I tell people, unless you're, you've gone through like special forces training or something like that, where, you know, Navy SEALs, like this will be the hardest thing you've probably ever done. And there's no days off. There's no time off. There's no meals off. Right. And so I tell them like, look, if you're doing this just because you want to like get more likes on some Instagram pictures, I don't think we should compete. But if you've fallen in love with training and you want to challenge yourself and do something that not everybody can do because not everybody gets on, get, does a bodybuilding prep and doesn't cheat. Okay. Because I tell people like, I don't accept cheating. I think if you're going to commit to this prep, you start at 20 weeks out or 18 weeks out and you tell yourself, I'm going to eat everything my coach tells me to do, eat, tells me to eat. I'm going to train. I'm going to do my cardio. I'm not going to skip anything. I'm not going to cut any corners. And usually you can get, you can gather from someone's response. Like if they're genuinely really into it for the bodybuilding, or if they're like, Oh, you know, I'm just trying to get a few more likes, or I want to build my Instagram page up, or I want to try to get sponsored and have a career in fitness. That's a big one for me. If someone's like, Oh yeah, I decided I want to compete because, you know, I want to try to get sponsored by a supplement company, or I want to try to like increase my exposure or, um, you know, market myself. I'm like, this sport really isn't for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, and Skip, you touched on it a little bit, uh, when, cause everybody has these first time, you know, oh, I want to win my class or I want to win the show. Well, it's like, so does everyone else go into that event? Exactly. Right? <laughs> right. And you have no idea if the guy that got third place at nationals last year, who needs to qualify this year to come back, he might enter your show at 75% and he will smoke you. I tell you yeah. that. He will be 75% conditioned. You will be bone peeled and he will yeah. still smoke you because he's been at that level and he's proven himself. This is a stepping stone for him to get back to the national level. So you got to be ready to accept that. And the other thing is, look, I, I just say, look, you do a show to put your best on paper for that time period and then you get back to the work of bodybuilding right. and you do it again the next time and you do it again the next time. Because the, the, here's, the, here's the honest fact no one has ever satisfied with their physique. Like no yeah. one has ever gotten on stage and gotten off and said, I think I'm done. Like I have the best physique that ever existed. I am the epitome of bodybuilding. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just like, I guarantee Nick Walker is staring looking at himself in the mirror saying, ah, I'm kind of small. Like I need yeah. to get my shoulders up or my quads are looking a little, they're a little downsized from, from last year. So yeah, everyone is always, there's something. So it, don't let being small or being a first timer, inhibit you from getting on stage if, if you have the spirit and you have the willpower to do it i think you should absolutely do it and in my opinion on. it will help you to drive to be better that yes. after you compete then after that like you're then you go into your off season and you have a completely different understanding of what you actually need to do to be a good mm-hmm. bodybuilder you can look mm-hmm. at it you know as shelby had said this to me he said he felt like competing was like taking the exam like you're mm-hmm. in school all year, you take the exam, you kind of see where you're at then, and then you go back in into school and you keep improving. You know, and, and the reality is is like because a lot of times people think they need to be bigger than they really do to be mm-hmm. competitive at a state level right. show. You have to be absolutely peeled. You, you mm-hmm. don't always have to, but I mean that's your best that's your best card to play no matter what, is always to be in really, really good shape. And I think that your your perspective will shift after you've done a show. You'll understand what you need to do moving forward, and then you'll have focus, and you'll have a limited time frame. There's none of this like, oh, well, one day I'm going to compete, so that's why I lift weights. No, you know that like I'm going to compete in seven, 17 months, mm. and I have 17 months, 
in order to to grow and to get in shape. That means that I might only have 12 months the next year or less. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm competing mm-hmm. at the same show next year. That means I only have six, seven months to actually grow as much muscle as I possibly can. And that's going to keep you focused and you can stay focused for those shorter periods of time. Like a year to year, you can break that up. And that to me had been a huge difference and a huge motivating factor. And then I'll tell you what, even like there was a time that I took fourth place, but I remembered the guy who, and I would do this every year. I remembered the guy who who had won that show. And I think to myself, okay, so of course I might not run ever run into that guy again, but I think to myself, okay, I got to be better than that guy next mm-hmm. time I get on stage. And I might not, but I'm going to put everything I can into it to to match that. I can I can put something tangible to it. And I think that it will fast forward your bodybuilding in ways that just training and trying to get big, you know, and all that just never, never, ever will on its own. In fact, when I first started training, I looked at guys in the gym and I thought like, man, I want to be big like that guy. And then I reached mm-hmm. that level. And then I said, I want to be big like that guy. And I like reached that level. And then I saw a competitor. I didn't know he was a competitor, but I was like, man, that dude just looks different. Like his mm-hmm. muscles were so round. You know what I mean? It was like, mm-hmm. it was next level. And I found out, I was like, oh, so that guy competes. And then I realized that by competing, you have a catalyst outside of yourself that makes you push to be better. So anyway, that's my take. What were you going to say, Skip? I was going to say that it's important, too, for a first-time competitor to make sure that your schedule's open. If you have weddings and you have vacations yes. and you have things going, please, please, don't. You, that's not prep. Um, look, at an advanced level, it is because if, if I have to go to a wedding, I'll be honest, I'm probably not going to be too happy about it, but I'm going to make it work and it's going to be a giant pain in the ass, not only for myself, but for the people around me, probably more so for the people around me because I'm focused on what I need to get done. But it, you have to understand going in, especially when it's your first one, the, the impact, the giant almost negative impact it's going to have on everyone around you, your family, your kids, your girlfriend, whatever you have going. It can sometimes get in the way of your thought process if you are, if, as far as your job or, or how you deal with friends. And th- and especially when your friends have never seen you like that before, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand. Have that time set aside so that you don't have anything going on so that you can stay locked in. Otherwise, you're selling yourself short, and there's nothing worse than standing on stage thinking to yourself, I could have done more. I didn't Mm. do everything I could have done. Yeah. The only thing I'll add to that is that, um, especially for a first-time competitor, who's always going to feel like they don't have enough size, unless they were – unless it's Carlos Thomas Jr., who we had a couple weeks ago getting on stage, right? You're always going to feel like you're small. Be peeled. Get in state, true stage condition. Find the guys that look up on, you know, NPC on News Online is, is everywhere now. You can find pictures. Find the pictures of the guys that won their classes and match that conditioning. Whether you have a coach or whether you have, you're doing it yourself, find a way to match that conditioning. No one is ever going to say, oh, that guy should have done more if you show up in shape. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like there's always ways to improve. There's always, okay, he needs more legs. He needs more lats, whatever it is. But if you show up in shape, you at, at least earned the guys who have done it before's respect. And they're going to count you as one of their own as, as kind of part of the troop. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, this guy's a bodybuilder. And they're going to be more apt to want to give you tips, give you some, give you some ideas on, on ways to fix some of those weak body parts. As long as you show up in shape, you are doing your job. Mm-hmm. Omar's got a question for us. Throw Omar's question up here. He says, um, so would you recommend competitors take time off to keep improving 
or like I see a lot of guys compete back to back every year without much breaks and really no improvements. So he means like time off stage. So I guess I don't think people level. take up. I don't. It's true, and I think it depends on the individual. That's kind of our. It is. It's a default answer, but I mean, it's true. It, but a lot of people need to make more progress, especially if you're not genetically predisposed to being really good at the sport. Six months of off season isn't a long time, and I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's better at the lower levels. You, you, you have so many more options because you're not locked into when you're like a high-level amateur and you're locked into three shows a year to get your pro card. If you're growing, let yourself grow and progress because mm. it doesn't always work that way. So instead mm -hmm. of saying at the lower levels, hey, I'm going to do this show, which isn't bad and it's not wrong, but instead just kind of have those shows – on, on the radar and when progress starts to plateau or fall off and you feel like you're really pushing as much food as you can push and you're growing and it's kind of slowing down that can sometimes be the best time right there to transition and go into a prep and from there you can pick a pick a show within that time frame to be able to do and always give yourself a little bit more time when you're a first competitor so let me, it's just hard. let me ask you guys a question so if you have an athlete that is having their best off season like they're just growing. They're reporting every week. Their weights are going up. They're getting stronger. They're everything's looking good. They're staying tight, but they're they're growing. And they had wanted to do X show, the state show that they had maybe gotten you know second place at last year. Is your move to say like to be honest and say, hey, I don't think we should shut this off season down, man. Like every you're riding the wave. Let's keep riding it because it's working in your favor. Or are you saying, yeah, okay, you know. We can cut this 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 progress season short. Let's do the show. You're probably good enough to win your show your your state show this year. What would if you it's guys a state, do? If it's a state show, I'm with what Skip had said, and and I'm totally you, you you make a good point by the way, Skip. I wanted to add that. Yeah, man, like don't. I, I, the mistake I made, well, and part of it was that I had to a work schedule. I needed to schedule my time off way ahead of time, so I'd be like, "Okay, I'm going to take a, my vacation, you know, in September for that show," and then I was locked into it. But if you can, yeah, man, look for that show where there's also an October show, also a November show. You know what I mean? That way you're you're not stuck in. It. I think there's a lot less stress that way. You know, because especially if you've never been in shape before. But yeah, for a state level competitor, Andrew, I I would say. If you can keep growing, man, like at the end of the day, take that. And yeah. you're deferring to your coach, right, mm -hmm. who's educated and knows what's going on. It's not just a perma-balking, you know, situation, yeah. right? I, well, I think, though, the answer, Car, uh, answer Omar's, Omar's question, um, yeah. I think, you know, lower-level guys do exactly what we just talked about, ride the wave of progress, compete no more than every two years, in my opinion. I, I think if you're in your in your teens and young 20s, I don't think you need to be competing every year. I would say every other year is a great way to do it, maybe every 18 months. you know, That's you about what I would do. Yeah. If, if I did like a, a spring show, guy. if I did a at state level, if I did a spring show, I might do like a fall show the next year and yeah. then take the next season off kind of thing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But if you're a high level guy and, and, and guys like Omar, you know, like he's been to the national level several times. He's got the goods. Uh, he's, he's probably going to be up a weight class, if not two this year. Uh, you know, guys that I'll use an example of Nate Spear, right? He was knocking on the door from national at the national level. He got a third place. Okay. Then we went to nationals that same year and he got another third place. And then we went and did an, uh, the, the North Americans and the nationals get the following. My point is, is that when you're in that top five, which means you're really in the mix, like you're really getting looked at for a pro mm -hmm. card. 
I think every single year or even every six months or, you know, because we have the North America, the USA's, the North Americans, and then the nationals. Those are the three shows that those guys really get to worry about. And I, I think it, 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 it behooves you, you, you should really try to shoot for all of them. Um, yeah. And you want to, you want it at that point too, it's kind of different because you want to make sure you're not forgotten about, you know yeah, what I mean? True. You want to stay on their mind and. I think mm-hmm. for our first-time competitors, it's a you know a different story, and more time Very is going to so. be to their benefit, right? Exactly. Well, and, and guys like Nate and guys in the top five at that level, they are improving and they are genetically superior. True. Which yeah. is not to take away <laughs> anything from their work yeah. ethic because Nate works his freaking ass off, but they they're not the rest of us. No. <laughs> they're not the Skip Hills and, and the Scott McNally. So it's, it takes us longer, you know, to make the progress that we need to actually see that visual, visual change. All right. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of time, so we need to jump into our listener okay. questions. This is kind of a fun one. And actually this one came from Patreon. So I'm just going to jump straight to this. Um, Big Red. This is question for blood, sweat, and gear. Uh, looking back at the events of 2020 lockdowns and everything that you had learned with the benefit of hindsight, let's lay out a hypothetical, though interesting scenario I hope we don't see happen. In three months' time, reports come in of a new, extremely dangerous. I don't know if I should say these words. <laughs> Yeah, yeah exactly. We just got demonetized. Soon yeah. after the closure of the gyms, canceling of shows, there's a panic in the community, which has led to grocery stores being emptied and Walmart fights over toilet paper are again trending on social media. How would you all personally stay on track with your bodybuilding and coaching? How would you recommend your clients to do the same? I understand that um, in the time of 2020, Skip is no longer... Uh, no longer is local to the gym he had a key to. Scott has built a home gym and trains from home, and Andrew is now moving to Florida. So I think this uh, could be an interesting segment as things have changed. Pandata 2023. (laughs) I didn't want to say that word. (laughs) You you know there's going to be another one because they've really fallen in love with with these, you know, take control and and shut everything down formalities. But, um, (laughs) well, when it comes to the training, I think all of us have built relationships with people in our communities uh, where we can find a way to get in you know i don't i don't want to act like we get these great special privileges all the time but because other people that don't have podcasts and don't coach a lot of people can do these things can have these relationships too but um i don't think i'd have a problem finding a gym that would open up for me and my training partners to train and i'm pretty sure you guys are probably in a very similar i mean scott you got your own gym at home so you're set and i could go Uh, out i go out i did last time i would again yeah. So, so, I mean, to me, like I didn't skip a beat with training. I made my best progress in probably a couple of years during that time mm-hmm. period with access to a gym. Um, food is obviously a little bit harder. You know, if you can't get chicken breasts, I mean, I'm probably relying a little bit more on whey, um, you know, but I would probably make, fr- I'd be, I, w- I have been friends with farmers in the past and I'd get my beef and, and stuff like that from them. Um, what was the other thing? Um, more gear, more gear. That's what I need. More gear and I got my guns. <laughs> so I'm all set, you know, right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. It's just one of those things where we are uh, fortunately kind of networked. I was going to say connected. It's not connected, but it's networked. We just That's what I meant to say, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 just one of those things that I'm fortunate. But as far as food goes, I don't know. Would it get any worse? I didn't have any problems. Here, here, I'm going to say this, and I know it sounds shitty, but I don't mean it that way. 
bad, I mean. <laughs> if you spend more money and you go, you don't go to like Walmart and places like that, they don't run out of things as much. <laughs> so, and I know that sounds really bad. I don't mean it that way, but I went to Whole Foods and I went to Fresh Market and places like that, and they don't tend to run out as much. And if they do run out, they have another truck coming in in a couple of days. I never got to the point. I, I don't live in Colorado anymore, 9,000 feet, so I don't have a garage, but I used to have a deep freezer. If you have a deep freezer, then, you know, have a little bit of a stockpile, a little bit of, you know, frozen food to fall back on. But even without that, I didn't have any problem. I'm not concerned. I do agree with you that I think it's possible it could happen. I think now the government knows there's going to be huge blowback from the population, so they may be a little bit more careful about it, but I, I don't know. It could happen again. If it does, I'm not terribly concerned about it. We kind of all figured it out now that they know that we figured yeah. it out. You know, I would say this, too. I think that during the last time that happened, I, I, I think a lot of the people that I spoke to, you know, different people I interviewed and stuff, they really kept it under wraps. Number one is if you started posting about training, there were people that were like literally bright. They were they, they were like, you're bragging, you know, like, yeah. you know, you really got looked down on if you had gym equipment to train on seriously. But mm-hmm. I also think that people got an attitude toward people that did have a network that they could train. And I mean, listen, yeah, maybe one of the, these guys I'm thinking of, maybe he is an IFBB pro, but the reality is, is he's dedicated his entire life to being able to have that. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if mm-hmm. you were to dedicate your entire life to that, then you would probably have the connections too. And like you said, Skip, anybody can, but I mean, it really comes down to what's important to us. You know, I don't, I don't know. It kept Just me like, sane. I don't know about you guys, but it kept, it was normalcy for me. I mean, not much change. I was still working from home and, and everything else. So, I mean, I, I remember telling people, wow, welcome to my world. You're home all the time and you're climbing yeah. the walls. Well, I've been doing that for 18 years. I mean, come mm-hmm. on now. <laughs> I've been waiting for everybody to go back to work because I like when yeah. the roads are empty during the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. What else do we have here? Um, we weren't going to do the message boards question right now. Skip wanted want to prepare for that one. Um, here's another one I'll just grab randomly that uh, Andrew had put together, and then I'll, I'll make sure that I get some of the live stream stuff too. Um, the spot in the range of motion where the knee pain occurred for Skip is exactly where mine was is. Um, can you speak um, somewhat more detailed about the process that he went through to get over that. I have mostly gotten it handled, but I'm interested to hear other modalities from Nicholas. Yeah, this is a long one. I'll keep it. I'll keep it very, very short. Um, and as concise as possible. And I don't want either one of you to laugh. Thank you. (laughs) The, uh, the pain, pain for me because it was articular cartilage, medial and lateral was about two thirds or three quarters of the way up at the top, which is, if you think about it, it makes sense because the knee is or does take the most stress in that position versus the deepest position of a squat. And I think that's cute because I think most people would think that intuitively that, oh, it's it's when you're coming out of the hole and the, there's the most stress on the knee, but that's not the case unless you have a specific situation with your knee. But by and large, it's, it's two thirds, three quarters of the way up. I initially started because I didn't have any pain in the bottom two thirds of the movement. I would do essentially what I call piston like reps, high reps, get a lot of blood in there. And, and I think the number one thing that I can tell anybody with a, with an injury like what I had 
was to keep moving and keep blood in there as much as you can, even if it's ridiculously light. Find a way. I played with it. I'd be in the gym for four hours figuring out what I could do and what I couldn't do. And then evaluating afterwards whether there was uh, inflammation, you know, swelling, any pain, any tightness, things like that. Um, it's you, it, it, every, even knee injuries, even this guy here with, you know, he's saying that he has essentially the same situation I did. It's still different. So he's going to be able to do some things. Maybe I wouldn't have been able to do. I'm doing things that he wasn't able to do. There are s specific things with each injury that are, that are limiting for each person. So find those things, get blood in there and keep feeding. Cause those tissues are, they have poor blood flow. Uh, articular cartilage, you're never going to grow back. So, well, they say you're never going to grow back. So it's never going to grow back. So I think what I did was I just got to the point where it took forever and ever, hallelujah, to get the osteoarthritic inflammation to go down. And now it's just a matter of keeping it down. I don't have any more articular cartilage than I had before. So I just need to make sure that the inflammation is low, which means volume, warming up real good. Volume has to be low or moderate. Uh, intensity has to be, it can be high, but you got to be very, very careful with it. Make sure that you're warm. And I just put up sick numbers on legs yesterday. And I just, I jumped like two plates on each side. And, oh. I, and I, but I still have it in my brain that I have to be careful going in. And yet and when I can shelf that or compartmentalize that, smartly knowing that I can your brain will always fight you it goes even if it's two years later it will go back to that time I still think about my lower back you have to be able to be careful but you have to be able to compartmentalize too so it doesn't take away once you are healed or you're very close to being healed all right Nevin has one for us he says um Hey guys, what are your thoughts on using Androgel pre-workout? When should I take it? I'm currently on 120 milligrams of test E a week. A friend gave me 50 packs of gel for free. How should I go about using it? Love the shows. And also he adds, should I rub it on my balls? <laughs> I would I would use it as lube for never mind. Um. <laughs> that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, listen. Well, actually, you probably absorb it actually much, much better. Um, for, well, the other person would, I should say. But, <laughs> I was going yeah. to say, it depends but, on. Honestly, yeah, I would take the androgel and I would throw it in the trash and I would just take a little bit more testosterone in your injectable. I think you said he was using um, TRT. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I think the difference you're going to see is like if you were to take 150 MIGs a test a week, you're going to get better results than if you use an androgel packet every single day. That's just my my take on it. Mm -hmm. One benefit of the the gel, I know that you don't get as many hematocrit issues. So I'm just speaking for TRT purposes. Sure. I'll take the gel from him so that I can get my hematocrit down because it's with my lungs and stuff, it's always high now. And I feel like, mm -hmm. man, if I could get any edge and I've thought about it, I thought about like going to a topical instead to see if that helped at all. But that's another story. We did have a guy who commented, Dave Crossland and I did a podcast about uh, test only cycles. And somebody said, you can grow great on test only and then get yourself some androgel and slap that on pre-workout. It's a great pre-workout. I never heard of doing that before. 
Well, I mean, just from working with guys, like back in the, like, I can think of situations maybe 12 or 15 years ago when I was personal training still, and I talked to a guy who I felt really needed uh, TRT, and he went to his doctor, and the doctor gave him test gel, and he was doing just that. He was taking a packet or so, I think, on his way to the gym or at the same time every day, yeah. and honestly, I didn't see any difference in his work output. I didn't see any difference in his muscularity. Um, now, granted, this guy did not follow the diet. (laughs) But with that being said, his labs also didn't show a massive improvement in his testosterone. So my point being is that I just, I don't want to exclude this guy from or discourage this guy from, um, you know, experimenting with something because what do we do? We all experiment with compounds, Mm -hmm. but I just don't think you're going to get anything noticeable out of taking some androgel before you go to the gym. And I don't have anything to add because I completely agree. When you said throw it in the trash, I was thinking, gosh, he just like read my my bubble up here <laughs> above my head because I – and I understand because it's free. He doesn't want – nobody wants yeah. to throw any, any gear in the trash. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are your experiences with uh, glycerol um, for better pumps and hydration pre-intra-workout? Um, how much and how little – um, have you used? It's a common ingredient in pre-workouts uh, under names like Hydromax, for example. Hope you gents are having an awesome day. Stay anabolic. I can get mine out of the way right away. I have never purposely used it because I get, I was going to say the R word, I get sick pumps mm-hmm. no matter what. I have to fight for them a little bit more when I'm depleted. But all I have to do is work, stay, keep my pace up between sets, and I. It feels like my skin is going to rip. Doesn't matter if I'm on TRT. It doesn't matter if I'm if I'm sweating, tremble on. So I don't have much experience directly with purposely taking it. Would Would you say that's probably because you stay insulin sensitive twenty four seven three sixty five? Not only that, I agree with that. I think, and, and I don't want this to sound like a slam to anybody listening, but because I've trained so long, I know when I'm supposed to train. I know when I'm not supposed to train. I'm recovered. You know, my recovery is pretty optimal. So, I mean, I, I don't go in without food. I don't go in not hydrated. I go in at the same time. I I am like clockwork, and I think it all plays into – I can't remember the last time I had a bad workout outside of just getting injured. Mm-hmm. It, with the Hydromax or, or the um, glycerol monosterate, the reason why people are taking it or, you know, the reason why, I think Dante was the one that with True Nutrition or back when it was True Protein really started bringing it back to the market as a commodity standalone product. And he I was right there. It. I know he still does. No, no, no. But I'm saying I didn't see any major supplement companies doing it until at least five or six years after Dante yeah. had, had it on, on the True Protein site back in the early 2000s or mid 2000s. And, um, you know, you're taking it because it's a surfactant, right? And it's going to bring and hold more blood or more fluid volume in the bloodstream to help increase your pumps. So that's the whole reason and the science behind it. You know, mm-hmm. same way if you were to look at like a, um, a bar of soap, which have a lot of surfactants in them. And if it's sitting there in a room, it collects little water droplets droplets it's the same kind of technology or the same kind of science uh, but i used it big time i think in the early 2000s when i was working with dante i think i saw a little bit out of it as i've gotten older i care less and less about intra workout supplements other than mm. carbs and amino acids i i don't really care to try to find it because i used to spend i used to have a whole i have a funnel and i would have like yeah. 18 different things i would mix and i just mm-hmm. got to the point where it's like look 
like is it really making that much of a difference to me there, there's some products and some some supplements i absolutely believe in but am i going to try to get this much teacrine and this much hydromax and this i'm just not i'm over that you know and your counter's all dirty and it's covered with powder all the time <laughs> that's my counter i'm done with them yeah i'm done with those days you know but i will say that um about six months ago i did start putting uh vegetable glycerin into my intra workout um on the advice of austin stout because i noticed he was doing it instead of using a powdered version he was he just bought straight up food grade glycerin and was pouring it i was using 10 to 15 grams and did i see much of a pump difference it's hard to say. Uh, it was nothing noticeable to write home about. But then again, I also probably was not super insulin sensitive. I was kind of in mm. a down point in my life with you know my pets uh, being sick and dying. Uh, my training was not at 100%. I was very low on PEDs if I remember to take them. Meals were not you know exact like Skip was talking about. Like it, it wasn't a perfect situation for me to evaluate. So there is some good science to it, but it's at this point in my life, I'm not interested in nickel and diming every little thing that might give me an ergogenic benefit. Scott Stevenson had talked about that uh, several years back using the, the liquid version. And he mm. actually directed us on Amazon to like a big old jug for $30. Yes. And he was like, you get that jug and it'll last you forever. And he just used a protein scooper full uh, pre-workout, mix that in with his pre-workout. I, I've I've used Hydromax. I've never used the liquid. I never noticed a, a huge difference either way. I have known people that really liked it, but yeah, it hadn't been something I've ever stuck with. We've got a couple more back, here. We got to try to one, get through. one more thing. Back in the day, I used to when I was prepping people in the early two thousands, and in my limited knowledge back then, I was actually having people throw it in some Hydromax powder. Um, yeah into their, their their meal before they went on stage hoping oh. and thinking that it might help a, a super plasma pump expansion in the muscles you know it probably just gave him diarrhea yeah and we have another <laughs> one from nevin here but he's from patreon so we'll take it this is actually uh, so that was off the live stream the his question he had about uh um the the gel and now he's got one off of youtube here uh question for next week are there any supplements that should be taken right around I can't say treat meal. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I can't. No, I can't do it's it. It's like saying I it's can't like bring saying myself tummy. to do it. I was gonna say the same thing. Tummy. It's like a guy saying my is tummy it like hurts. Down by your tummy, Andrew. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't have a tummy. <laughs> right I around. Have a five. I have a tummy. <laughs> <laughs> right around a cheat meal. Uh, it, a particularly big cheat meal. Things like apple cider vinegar, berberine, etc. Everyone together. One, two, three. Insulin. No. <laughs> oh, or no. Or no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I love where you're going with that though, Skip. But I mean, if you're, you're going to do something, you really shouldn't be doing too many free meals or free meals if you need to be supplementing with things to help correct sure. blood sugar. In, in my, now, what Skip's talking about with insulin, though, that can be used as an advantage to, to hyperload yourself for a either a look or b a a, a performance event like like an all out leg day you're going to do with like your best buddy that came up to visit. You want to try to kill each other, so you're you're trying to load as much glycogen as you can so you can outlast <laughs> a few more reps. I'm all down with that. That's a lot of fun, but I, yeah. I just don't think that I, I a I don't think you should be doing cheat meals if you need to be using berberine regularly and other supplements to mm. try to counteract the effects of lost insulin sensitivity and high blood sugar. I would just pull the free meals out for a while. Yeah. I think it's uh, trying it's it's akin to trying to save a thousand dollars and you're putting away um, seventy nine cents. I agree. Yes. Any tips for for guys that struggle to eat? 
He looks too young to be struggling to eat. Yeah. Well, yeah. It only gets harder, that's, guy. That's he looks lean. like he can eat, though. He's pretty lean. He needs to eat. Yeah. Well, then I see if he's that lean and he's having trouble eating. My, my, <laughs> my, my point is, my point is, is that it only gets harder as you get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? It is but, true. Okay. But some tea, you want some tips. Okay. So first and foremost, do not hold water. So with your choice of compounds, make sure that you're not doing anything that aromatizes uh, a lot and make sure that you're not holding a lot of water. Uh, along the lines of water, stay hydrated. What's the first thing that goes in the off season? Once people are done their contest prep and they're eating more, they drink a lot less fluid. What does that make them do? It makes them hold more water, which then again will counteract the hunger sensation and just, it gives them a bloated feeling and a bloated look where they're just not hungry to eat and they don't feel like, uh, when two o'clock comes and it's time to have your third meal, they might push it back to two thirty or two forty-five, which then just compounds everything later on in the day. So one thing you can do is absolutely keep the same amount of water up that you were drinking during your prep. That's 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 my that's my free tip of the day. Good free yeah, tip. It, I like that. There's so many lower. You know, the first thing that come to mind is lower any type of outside activity you're doing. If you're if you're very very active with hobbies and stuff like that, you got to figure out. I mean, how important is getting big and how important is eating more? Because those things can get in the way. For some, it can increase um, appetite, but for most, it's going to increase appetite, and you're not going to make up for that once you take the calories in. It's just basically going to your metabolism is just on fire. He's lean. His metabolism is on fire. And grass is always greener. There are a lot of people who would like to be lean like that with with his situation. Yeah. There's a lot like, of guys I wish who, I like, could yeah, eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and there's guys like him who want to put on size. Age is a huge, huge factor that I could eat anything I wanted if I wanted prior to being 25 or 26. And then mm-hmm. now I'm I'm going to be lean or even relatively lean. I'm tight like it's pretty much kind of prep in the sense that it's structured. It might not be ridiculously low calories, but it has to be very, very structured, very, very clean, and there are no such thing as cheap meals. Skip load. I find I'll give another one. Oh, go ahead. I got a couple. One would be for that works really good for me, and I've seen it help others, is um, not using as many fats. I find that if I use a meal that's going to be like a leaner protein and a carb, that I'm going to end up being hungry a lot faster than... Because there's been times where it's like, I need to eat more food. And then I either start eating junkier food, you know, like I throw in a McDonald's or something like that. And then that just keeps me full all day with all the grease. Or I'm like, well, why don't I do some extra peanut butter or something like that? Either way, if I start loading up the fat, then it definitely reduces my appetite. So if I keep it clean, I find that I can eat a lot more um, and, and obviously then like make up for any fats that I had to take out so that's one thing maybe reduce that a little bit and the other thing is like if he's not very active cardio i think can be really helpful cardio Mm -hmm. makes me hungry and it's like if i wake up in the morning and i have the time to do a fasted cardio session just to get myself moving and i'm not even saying like a big long thing but even like 20 minutes just get on the treadmill get a little sweat going and after that i'm like dang i want to eat you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and then that can carry over through the day once I get that meal in, the thing, things are things are rolling, you know, and a couple hours later, I'm hungry again, and I just keep that going. I think mm-hmm. that stuff helps me. It's way better than, like, back in 2015 when we are all like, you need to take GHRP6 and MK677, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that, like, those two things help me a lot more, and I've struggled to eat. I've always had a low, low appetite, and I think part of it was that I was raised to not eat much. It's funny because I did an interview with Nick Walker back when he was competing against Nate the year he turned pro, when Mm -hmm. Nick turned pro, 
and we talked about that. And I was like, you know, what, what kind of family were you raised in? He was like, oh, we always had the biggest portions, you know, when they always <laughs> had like crazy food at the house versus me. My parents were like, well, we eat low sodium and we keep it real clean. And here's your portion. And it's like fits in your hand. You know, that's the way I was raised. So there's that. What were you going to say, Andrew? I was just trying to think of other tips. So things that I tell clients, you know, Get out some meat scissors and cut your proteins up into the smallest little pieces you possibly oh, yeah, can. Yeah. If you have a food processor, run it through there. Um, you know, little things like that. In terms of your carbohydrates, go with calorie dense and, and uh, foods that yep. don't take up much space. So, you know, if you get your seven ounces of chicken in, do something like half dried fruit and half rice, or even like juices. Um, you know, I got a couple guys that are up in the 1,100, 1,200 grams of carbs a day, and it really just comes down to an issue of food volume and and, and time to get it all in. And hmm. so I have these guys drinking you know soda i have them drinking juices i have meat and dried fruit in between meals um you know it's really just a matter and the other thing is scheduling so like if you're someone that gets up late and you have a very short waking window it's really hard to get six meals in during during you know a 10 hour yeah. time span right so a lot of times it means you got to get up earlier to start your eating so that you can get that last meal in before you want to go to bed and in a lot of cases i have a lot of guys that have to get up they do a meal like a liquid meal that they've already blended the night before down the hatch they go to bed and they sleep for another hour and a half. And by the time they wake up, they're about ready to eat a solid meal at that point. So I just think it comes down to staying on your schedule because we all know when you're in an off season, if you wake up a half hour late, now it means your breakfast is a half hour late. And it means that your next, somehow you got to make that time up during the day. And then in that case, it can absolutely throw you off to the point where you end up compounding meals, hurting your digestion and yeah. ruining your, your food intake for like the next two or three days. So yeah. I think scheduling water, cutting your food up into tiny pieces and then going with very simple carbohydrate sources, especially for a guy like this, who, who looks very lean. Yeah. He looks like he could drink juice with every meal with, with, with his rice and chicken, and it's not going to put an ounce of fat on him. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's all we've got time for, guys. we got to wrap this thing up. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, if you guys want to reach out to any of us for coaching, feel free. Go to bodyberry.com. Reach out to Andrew. Go to teamskip.com if you want to hit up Skip. McNallyDiets at gmail.com. You can reach out to me there. And, of course, check out our sponsors, True Nutrition. Uh, you can go to truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. In fact, you can get some uh, some glycerol over there. Check that out. Let me know if you do. Let me know what you get from it. And uh, go to Strom Sports Nutrition in the U.K. And, of course, supplement source.ca for our canadians thank you to nevin and everybody else from patreon appreciate your guys' support and for another episode of blood sweat and gear we will see you soon